And I believe anyone that's listening to this is able to start ugly and do great things with their lives. They just got to take it one step at a time. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am so excited to share today's guest with you, Chris Kremistos. Chris does so many things, and I've known him personally for a number of years, and I'm privileged to call him my friend. He is the organizer of PodFest Expo, one of the top podcast conferences in the world. He has created a podcast documentary called The Messengers. And we're here to talk today about his newest book. There's so many different ways we can go with Chris because he's an expert on leadership and a number of other topics. But Chris, welcome to the show. I've been looking forward to this episode. Yeah, Dr. Richard, thanks for having me on. This is going to be awesome. And I I know you're an entrepreneur and a man of, of many talents. Take us back to the beginning, though. This is something, as you know, I like to ask all my guests. You're doing a lot to help people. Was this something that was, you just kind of woke up one day and, and knew you wanted to do? Or was this something that evolved over time for you, the, the, the general work that you're doing of helping make differences in the lives of so many people? Well, the long and short of it is I grew up in a very big, cohesive family unit, in a big, fat Greek family. And whether I knew it or not, we supported each other a lot. and then. To, to add the icing and the cherry on the top, my next door neighbor was a New York City firefighter. So all he would do literally is he'd have a scanner in his car and we would help. I was attached to his hip because he always, uh, firefighters usually have three days on, four days off, four days on, three days. So he was home a lot. And even when he was home, he would take all the kids in the neighborhood to like Slurpee runs at 7-Eleven, but he'd have a scanner in his car and he would literally help people full time. So I think that modeled behavior kind of was in the air 24-7. And that's what I saw. So I really, I loved watching my neighbor help people. And I loved watching my family connect and help one another. So when I came of age, I wanted to do really well in business. And I wasn't fulfilled by making money. And I had to ask myself deeper questions. In my late 20s, I had moved to Florida and I had money and time. And I spent six months walking sunset on this place called Davis Islands, right outside of, uh, right part of the city of Tampa. And I remember asking myself, uh, I call it my standing in the silence moment. I would ask myself, what do I want my life to be? If you took money and everything out of the equation, what do I want to do? And it was help people. And then I had to ask myself, okay, through what vessels and vehicles can I help people? And it was by creating facilitated environments via communities. And that's when I started my community building was in my late twenties. I started my first community and then that has helped to the iteration of where I'm at now, which is PodFest, VidFest, and all these multimedia-type communities that I, I facilitate uh, once a year through these mega events. And, and we'll definitely talk a little bit about those events in a little bit. But I, I want to 
take a deeper dive into building communities because a lot of people listening to this, whether they are solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, thinking about it, talk to us about the importance of community in a digital era. And so then I want to jump into some of your top steps on how to make that happen. Well, yeah, it's funny because I was, uh, when I started building my communities, we're in a, we were in a transition from living our lives in physical form where many people go to different events all the time to transitioning to the virtual form because that's when social media became really big. And that's when people's lives really started transferring from the internet onto online. And we, I saw that transition happen, quite honestly. And I, what I noticed real quickly is when you meet people physically, you could build much deeper relationships. I'm not saying you can't build relationships online, but there's an authenticity and there's a vibrancy to an energy we all give off. And when we meet each other personally, uh, it allows for these connections to be taken deeper that we might have created online. And there's something special about it. Uh, what, what I did notice, though, is the millennials and a lot of the, what I would call the millennial mind, mindset, which is our culture at large, we don't necessarily go to local communities. We like going to like uh, yearly events or happenings. I, I noticed that. I mean, if you really notice now, there's huge events popping up every day of the week around more niches than I've ever seen before. And it's because we're all behind the computers or our phones and we're starving for human connectivity. So there's, um, there's a yearning to connect with each other. And I've seen Mark um, Cuban on Shark Tank talk about, I love live experiential events. Like he, he's invested in a couple companies that were live experiential. And he says, you just can't replace that. There's something, there's something to all of us coming together that creates a special, special sauce. You said something so interesting uh, that there's more of these than ever before because we're spending so much time on our phone. So it's kind of like you know, we boomeranged in one direction. Now we're coming back totally in the opposite way. But they're, they're, what's interesting is they're very niche. They're very like anyone, go look at your Facebook event feed or go look at any app that has events, Eventbrite. You'll see like really niche. Like every time I look, I'm like, wow, I didn't know there was an event for that. But guess what? It just got created yesterday. <laughs> Someone just posted it. So it's it's uh, it's amazing to watch. And then the other, um, Richard, this is another shift that I noticed. So during my childhood, when you went to meetings, everybody would repeat this one statistic and they would say, fear of public speaking is the number one fear behind the fear of death, right? I don't know if that's true anymore because the people I deal with, they all want to speak. They all want recognition. This is the social media generation. They all want their... Uh, whatever, you know, time in front of the audience. So I, I just, I see a lot of cultural shifts. You might still be a high introvert, but you still don't mind going in front and speaking and then being an introvert again. So it's just, uh, we're living in a, a changing of the time. So uh, there's a lot of things that I would tell people, definitely challenge conventional wisdom because things are changing all around us. You know, like for instance, you and I are doing a podcast right now. I was invited to do a radio show last week and it's been like two years since I've been in a radio station. And the first thing you encounter when you go into a radio station is you have to be buzzed in to the radio station itself. And then there's security that allows you into the, the radio, whatever, booth, whatever you want to call it, the studio. The question is, why is there security to go on a show? And the reason is 15, 20 years ago, this stuff was locked down, man. Dr. Richard didn't have the same access. unless I mean, you might have because you, you, you have a budget to afford to go into radio. But none of us had this access. Now it's like everybody has the same access. We could do it out of our homes, our offices. 
So think about that. Like TV stations, they have security because back then that's how much it was worth. Like people had to be kept out of the doors because of security risks, how valuable the communication is. Now everybody has the same access. So I'm, I'm really amazed at the times we're living in and the opportunities for everybody. If you had to pick a couple, you, you mentioned, you know, to kind of buck conventional wisdom, which is great. Uh, a couple tactical strategies you might give somebody who's trying to start a community, whether it's an online community or an actual live in-person event, what would be some of the top ideas you would have for that? First, first thing I would tell people is forget about numbers. So I built my community with six people and then I built off of that into the hundreds and then into the thousands. So I would say is don't worry about like attracting big numbers. Worry about making an impact on the people that do show up. That's one. Two is you might think a big speaker will draw, but you'd be surprised that a local expert or someone that is an expert within your niche might draw much better than an outside celebrity type speaker. So the greatest example I could give, one of my favorite examples, is a long time ago when Shark Tank was at its peak, I was trying to get one of the sharks over to one of my events for entrepreneurs. And we just couldn't afford it. Like they were going for 50,000 pop each. Now, I don't know what they're going for now, but this was like 50,000, 35,000. I was like, in, there's no world for a local group that we could even justify that expense. We would never make it back up. But I said to myself, what if we get like five of the people that live in the Tampa Bay area that I already know that have been on Shark Tank? They love the exposure. They're local business owners. We actually, not only did we outdraw more people for them, and people want to know what are the sharks really like. So always think outside the box when you're programming your events. Uh, and then the third thing is, there's this conventional wisdom, when I came up anyways, that your presentation had to be 60 minutes or 90 minute keynote. We came up with, why don't we just create the content as, as long as the quality of the content is good? So then we'd have 30 minute keynotes, 15 minute keynotes. We'd have panels that were only 30 or 40 minutes. And then we would have networking around that. So always question conventional wisdom because just because someone spends more time doesn't mean it's better. That's interesting. And I think probably the emergence of the, the TED and TEDx talk world has influenced as well how much time people expect that somebody's going to be on a stage too. That's really helped me because I was already challenging conventional wisdom back in the day. And then when TED really got popular, I would use that as an example. I'm like, they're changing the world in 18 minutes. What the, what the heck do you need two hours for? Um, and I only say that to someone that if the content was only like 30 minutes, scale it down. You don't need to stretch it to two hours because it, 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 now the, honestly, you're right, Dr. Richard. Now the audience doesn't have the patience anyways. But back in the day, people actually would sit through a painful 90 minute keynote. Uh, but now things are changing because people, thanks to social media and YouTube and these different mediums, they're they're valuing their time much more crucially. Chris, uh, for those of you who are, aren't able to see this at home, Chris has got his new book, Start Ugly, here in front of us, behind us. I, I want to take a little bit of time and talk about this book, which is really well received. Talk to us about what your impetus for writing this was, and then let's, let's take a deep dive. So originally... Um, you and I have talked about this, but one of the things is a lot of people know me through my events, but I'm not known as a thought leader, even though I am through my events, but not to the general public. So I was looking for a vehicle to do that. And honestly, a book is probably one of the best ways if you have something to say. And a partner and I were going to write, a friend of mine, we're going to write a book called Future Proofing Your Business. Both of us realized as we were working with the ghostwriter, the moment we wrote that book, it would be out of date the moment the ink hit the book because you know future proofing stuff changes. 
So then there was this phrase, I, I was really dejected and I talked to my wife and she's like, you know what? You're, you always figure it out. Just, just let, let things figure, uh, find you and don't get all stressed about it. I said, all right. So there's a phrase that I, I came up with about six years ago, a few years back. And I was frustrated with some people that just weren't getting concepts. And they were like, oh, and they were asking like perfectionistic questions and they didn't need to ask that level of detail. I said to them, just start ugly. And it was in exasperation that I said it. And I actually felt bad as I said it. I almost felt like I cursed at them, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, just start ugly. And then, and then a couple of people raised their hand. I'm like, oh, no, they're going to come after me now. They're like, can you tell us more about this concept, start ugly? <laughs> so it kind of invented itself. And then I started using it. And I noticed it really resonates with the subconscious mind, uh, especially when you're dealing with, I'm not ready yet. It's not perfect yet. Start ugly gives people permission to get started with no guilt. So then there was a story in that failed book I told you about that was about a, um, a lumber mill in the early 1900s. And I kind of took a little paragraph and I made it into a full-blown story, very similar to Who Moved My Cheese, about dealing with change. And that fictional story has been very well received. It's very easy to read. The book is a quick read. Uh, I wasn't, quite honestly, Dr. Richard, I, I do well with my promotions, but I did not expect my book to sell out all print in 72 hours. In like 80 hours, we sold out. The on-demand printer couldn't keep up with the demand. I didn't see that coming. Now we're back up to full demand. Everything's there. But the book hit the top 100 in entrepreneurship on Amazon. We were right next to Simon Sinek's uh, Y book. Uh, we had crossed over a couple of really well-known authors. I have a feeling that this book has a very long tail because of the words and the lesson embedded in it. And it's an easy read. So I created for really busy creatives, business owners, they're on the go that just need something simple. And then the cover is very well designed in that it's a post-it note that says Start Ugly because the book hard copy is designed to go on your bookshelf and stare you back. And I guarantee you it will increase your productivity, uh, whether you read it or not, just by having these two words staring back at you. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go. I, I want to take a little deeper dive into the story and into the book. But, with, but you said something that's so interesting because we know that in the business world, there are so many people that are paralyzed by that fear of not really able to kick things off because... Oh, my PR messaging isn't quite perfect, or my website's not quite right. Like we always find these ways, these excuses to, and, and everybody does this, to really keep ourselves from putting it out there. And a lot of times that's because of fear of rejection, fear of failure. But um, I, I can't remember who said this, and it might have been Zig Ziglar who said something along the lines of, you know, if you don't take that first step, you'll never get anywhere on your journey. And so starting ugly to me is is cool. Like you said, giving yourself the permission to go out there and, and give it a shot and then kind of adjust as you go. So it was written for two, two sets of people. The, the one you just mentioned 
And the second one is actually people, uh, I'm part of a group where people are very financially successful. They do really well. And I remember that I mentioned that like one of my goals is I want to fly uh, private jet travel because it'll alleviate a lot of time to see families. Like I don't have to wait half a day in an airport and it'll just make my life easier. And I remember a bunch of them had these limiting beliefs like, yeah, that'll happen. I'm like, these people are doing millions of dollars of business and here's limiting beliefs in a group of highly successful people. So what I found is even when we taste a bit of success, we tend to stop and protect ourselves from starting ugly again. And believe it or not, it's it's everywhere. We protect ourselves from something new and and my goal with this book is to eliminate people uh, to eliminate people's what ifs because at least if you start, you know what if and you don't have to worry about it at the end of your life. It's beautiful. Uh you know, Marissa Peer talks about the way to move towards your goal is to do one thing every day towards accomplishing that objective, even if it's the smallest thing or it doesn't turn out the way that you thought, but always keeping that moving forward. So uh, would would you be willing to share uh, the kind of the high level synopsis of that lumberjack story with us or the lumber? Yeah, lumber yeah, 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 the story, honestly, uh, definitely read the story, but I'll share the story. It um, takes place in the early 1900s. So we took an old case study especially because today we were dealing with so much technology. I think we could all understand this. Gentleman's name is Gregory Sharp. Gregory Sharp is uh, a son of an immigrant. His parents died back then when he was young. He has to take care of siblings. And he's starting ugly in that he wants to revolutionize the lumber mill. And he does. He gets an investor. He lives on Manhattan Island. And they literally, he puts an R&D lab, which is like first of its kind for lumber mills. And they're studying the the arc of the swing of the axes. They're, they're putting lighter, sharper metal alloys. I mean, this guy is on the cutting edge of everything. And then he hires a young kid by the name of Jeff. And Jeff is like an Ivy Leaguer, right? You always hire people smarter and better than yourself. And one day he's riding his bicycle into the lumber mill. And at the time, Bell Labs just put brand new telephone poles in Manhattan Island, first place for telephone poles. And he he, he runs his bike into one and the bike chain gets caught. And the kid has this idea. He's like, if I could rotate a bicycle chain and put a combustible engine on it, I think it could cut wood faster than an axe. And he shares it with his employer. And long story short, uh, Gregory Sharp has three chances to literally build upon this innovation. And unfortunately, he fires the kid and lets him go. And little Jeff starts a chainsaw manufacturing plant. <laughs> I don't have to tell you fast forward what happens. <laughs> but there's the cool part is there's some redemption at the end of that. And I, I, you know, you'd know, you have to read the story for that part. And I think that's a part that resonates with everybody. But Greg has to come to grips with why he's not successful, even though he is doing everything right and executing perfectly. So I think it talks to a lot of us in this age of change and innovation of looking at ourselves. And many times, I think the lesson of the story is the answers are under our nose. It's just we're not willing to look at them or accept them in a new light. And there's a lot of reasons for things like that. Sometimes it's it's our ego. You know, we've created these these entities which are our babies, and it's very difficult for us to hear that criticism. But uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how that story wound up, and what an amazing opportunity that Mr. Sharp had that he passed on. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, that's that's awesome. And and tell us where people can pick that book up. I just go to Amazon. Uh, I have a website, juststartugly.com, or you can just go to Amazon, look up Start Ugly. If you enjoy the book, would appreciate a review. We're, we're, we just got a couple of reviews. Dr. Richard 
you're, you're a friend and I know you've supported this endeavor, but I got a lady that I don't know. She's not, you know, and she's wrote, just read this book. I'm going to, you know, talk about it with my friends and it's on my coffee table. I'm like, this is exactly what I want to hear. So we finally got like what I would call outside third party reviews from people that where the book is starting to spread. So that's really exciting. Outstanding. And Chris, you mentioned a couple of these really large events that you run, PodFest, VidFest. I know you do a lot of things. For those who aren't familiar with those events, talk to us about them, as well as other events that you've got coming down the pipe and why somebody would want to get involved. So our our events are really about new media. So anything to do with cutting-edge media, and we like focusing on podcasting and YouTube is the video side mainly. It's because it's long-form content that seems to leave an impact. Um, and then all, we do talk about all the other modalities of how to spread the word and grow your audience. But it seems like what you're doing right now with the podcast, it's long-form. People ingest it. It could make a real big difference because uh, people are really absorbing the message. Seems to do really well in today's day and age. So PodFest will have over 100 tracks of learning a lot of different uh, education from technical tracks to audience building tracks to beginning from nothing uh, tracks. So we, we really, we have people from all over the world that show up at PodFest. We hold it in Orlando every year, family-friendly environment, which really fits our culture. And then VidFest is held the day before PodFest, and that's for people getting into the YouTube game. Uh, both the websites are vidfestexpo.com or podfestexpo. But we've done this now for over six years, and we've doubled in size pretty much every year, just about. Last year, we had 975 registered. This year, we're looking at around 2,000 attendees. And what we have done for the Friday, which is what I call day one of PodFest, is we've created all these niche workshops or mini conferences uh, like Podcast Editor Con. We've created Audio Drama Con, Military Creator Con, and so on and so forth. That'll be going on uh, during PodFest. And it'll all be colliding together. So it's a very exciting time to be alive and very exciting to have all these amazing communicators being brought under one roof. So if you're looking to get started, definitely come out. We actually have, uh, we will have an introvert extrovert lounge for people, uh, especially if you come out by yourself. It's a very friendly audience. We have um, welcome ambassadors. Uh, Richard, you're, you know, I consider you one of our culture ambassadors, or should I say Dr. Richard, uh, you're just an amazing human being. So we, we try and find, really amazing people. And then we tell them that they're, we let them know that they're part of our culture and we let it spread organically. I love it. Uh, Chris, take us through what's coming next for you. What's the big next goal on your agenda that you're excited about tackling? Well, so for me, I've helped uh, influencers my whole life. Uh, Literally 10 years ago or 12 years ago, I featured Gary Vaynerchuk before anyone knew who he was. He now is the ultimate entrepreneur. And I remember at the time I had a crossroads. I was like, do I build my community and my events or do I become um, a thought leader? And I chose at the time to build my community events. So now as I'm building my community events, I've created the systems. I'm also building my thought leadership. So uh, I have every reason to believe that Start Ugly will sell at least a million copies. We're on our way. You know, we're already crested over our first thousand. So for me, it's about how can I leverage what I have done for the last 10 years and 2000 events outside myself so the first vessel is this book. And then there'll be a lot of other... I do a lot of speaking around the country. So there'll be a lot of that going on. Outstanding. Chris, I have loved having you on the show. It has been 
So cool to see you get this book off the ground and and no doubt you're going to help a lot of people with it. As you know, I wrap up my show by asking all of my guests a single question. And that is, what is your biggest helping? The single most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? So I I think obviously we talked about starting ugly. So let's just take that aside since I've already already said that. Um, Here's my biggest helping. When I was a young kid growing up in Long Island, New York, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, the 26th president of the United States, was buried literally um, a mile from my house. And I'd go visit his gravestone. And there would be 26 steps to the 26th president up to his gravestone. And there was an inscription there that I had memorialized on a painting that's in my house. And it was, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. And I believe if we could keep our feet on the ground, take a step-by-step, our eyes on the stars there's nothing we can't accomplish. And it's something that I live my life each and every day. And I believe anyone that's listening to this is able to start ugly and do great things with their lives. They just got to take it one step at a time. I love it. Chris, give us that URL one more time where people can get their hands on the book. Yeah, go to juststartugly.com or just go to Amazon, type in the word start ugly. It's the only book of its kind with that title. Outstanding. And for those of you in the car or at the gym, we got you covered. Everything Chris Kermistos will be in the dailyhelping.com show notes for this episode and in the app available in Google Play and iTunes. Well, Chris, this has been great. I knew it would be. Thanks so much for coming on our show. Loved having you for sure. Thanks, Dr. Richard. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I want to thank each and every one of you as well who chose to listen to this episode. If you like what you heard, go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because that's what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today, do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.